5 to 12. Genesis 6, verse 5 to verse 12. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the Every intent of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beasts, creeping thing, birds of the air, for I'm sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. And Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way, on the earth. We know the Lord will help us to understand some of the truth from that passage today. This is chapter 6 and uh, just have a, a, a fairly quick, uh, um, a bit of an overview of, of Noah's life. An incredible man and mentioned, as I said before, in the New Testament at different times and uh, um, where we're taking up is uh, just the fact that there was great wickedness in the land at that time. Um, men had uh, truly turned away from God. It's a little hard to understand because it says that um, every intent of the thoughts of the, his heart was only evil continually. Uh, truly, uh, mankind had really degraded to a, uh, a great extent. And uh, in our day and age, we, in these last few weeks, we probably have seen some um, great acts of kindness within our own land. People have been very generous and kind to one another, and uh, that has been truly encouraging. Um, nevertheless, I just want to remind us that uh, there is a, a great dearth in this land at this time, um, just... Uh, you know, the acceptance of evil around us. You see our sports stars and they carry on. Terrible behaviour. Terrible behaviour um, when you uh, see something of their lives. Terrible examples. Um, even our own Prime Minister, I understand, is, uh, lives with a guy and is not married. And that, I think, is, tells us something of our... Our position today in this uh, in this age. There was one thing that caught my attention just recently, and I just want to bring this to your attention today. Um, often I've heard uh, of things along this line, but I haven't taken a lot of notice. But in Family Voice, it's a uh, a Christian voice for the family. I don't know whether any of you people see it. I'm not sure where we get it from or what happens, but they speak there of the tragedy of uh, uh, things that take place in Australia. Do you know that uh, last year there was many, there are many, many, many people who would love to adopt a child and I think there was only 61 
children were adopted in Australia last year. And uh, just in, uh, in this um, little article, the woman says, while only 61 babies were adopted last year, abortions totaled, I'll let you guess. I thought to myself, I'd, I'd read this article and I thought later on as I was thinking, oh, it must have been perhaps 9,000 or something. I'd, I knew it was nine something. 90,000 abortions in our land last year and 61 adoptions and so many good parents, good people who would love to adopt a child but um, red tape, etc., has just made it so difficult in this day and age and I think it's just such, such a shame and apparently, according to this, um, two years ago the Labor government, Victorian Labor government, passed a new law allowing abortions for any reason up to 24 weeks of pregnancy up to birth if two doctors, for example, at an abortion clinic agree. So it's just straight murder that is taking place in our land today. And I think we need to remember that God sees this. It's, we can't ignore that which is taking place in that line. Um, it's rather sad. and as, So there's a lot of things taking place that probably we aren't even aware of that, uh, that we should be aware of and that are, uh, are causing grief to God. And uh, that's what it says in verse one, uh, verse 6 of Genesis 6. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. That's a, a terrible statement in, in a lot of ways to us, isn't it, to think that our great God was grieved in his heart. He was so sad um, that he had made man. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, man had just gone so far away from him. Uh, I think also, too, today that um, so often us as Christians can be living lifestyles that are grievous to God and we need to be just so careful in the way that we live. You see, it's sort of more or less saying if we sort of play light with sin, we're more or less saying, well, it never really costs God that much, you know, to save us from our sin. Uh, it's no appreciation of the price that was paid when God sent his only son to this earth to die in our place that it was a great cost and how that grieves God when we play lightly with sin in our lives. We need to have short accounts with our God. We will fail for sure, but we need to take sin so seriously. <clears throat> you know, it says that uh, of Noah that uh, he was a man who uh, found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Um, there wasn't too many, was there? Noah. It doesn't even mention you know, his three sons, really. Uh, everything sort of um, came in as far as the ark was concerned under Noah. It doesn't even mention Noah's wife. Uh, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And that's that's a real encouragement to you and I, you know. Um, our position before God is important and you and I can count before the Lord. Um, we don't need to be necessarily a, a preacher or someone up front, but we can 
we can count for the Lord um, and, and we need to, uh, to know our, what we think and we need to stand for the Lord in all situations. It says that Noah walked with God and I believe that's the secret. Now, uh, young people might think, oh, maybe uh, Noah went power walking with God or something. It's not, not talking like that at all. When it says Noah walked with God, it's talking about Noah's relationship with God. And day by day, Noah had a, uh, a good relationship with God. He obviously communicated with God. And as he built the ark later on, we see that uh, obviously he had clear instructions, total instructions, and his relationship with God was open and clear. You and I can uh, um, perhaps always improve on our walk with the Lord, can't we? We, uh, we can e- so easily crowd the Lord out in our lives and uh, be so busy with the things of this world that we uh, are not uh, truly walking in that close relationship we ought to. We, we need to practice the presence of God, being conscious that our God is there always and uh, um, forever leaning on him and trusting him and, of course, uh, concerning our sin, short accounts. Noah was a man of integrity. Um, it says that he is perfect in the, in the scriptures there. Um, I think... Um, if you look closely at the meaning of that word perfect, it was talking about a man of integrity because we see and we know that no man was ever perfect in that sense, Um, but he was a man of great sincerity and integrity and a man of faith. Um, In verse 8, it says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You know, Noah was something like 480 years old when um, God spoke to him about building this ark. That's getting on a bit, isn't it, in life? I don't know. (laughs) 90 is getting up a lot lot of years in my thinking, but uh, 480, that's uh, certainly getting on. And you could easily have thought, well, Noah might have said, well, I don't think I'll start shipbuilding at this time of my life. I've been a uh, sort of a farmer or something like that all my days and now shipbuilding, that's something different altogether. What tremendous faith Noah had to just believe and then to go on and, and build for 120 odd years, uh, working away. That was a huge boat. And my brother actually has been involved in trying to restore an old paddle steamer that the Chislett family had up at Boundary Bend. And uh, uh, it was another group put $100,000 dollars towards restoring it. And I was just talking to my brother just recently and he said they've about given up. You know, such, so much work. They've got it up to floating stage and that. But so much work. And that's only a little paddle steamer. You imagine poor old Noah starting from scratch, building a boat that I presume... He'd never ever seen anything like it and uh, there he worked away year by year. And you know that it says of Noah that he was a preacher of righteousness. Um, He wasn't just a shipbuilder, Um, whether he was up front on a pulpit or whether he was just forever telling the people how they ought to live before God and that they were going to answer to a God 
a God who was capable of bringing judgment on the world in that day and still today. But he was a preacher of righteousness. Just as a word of encouragement, I, I, I want you to see how many people did Noah convert in 120 years of preaching of righteousness? Um, it doesn't even say necessarily that his own kids were necessarily converted. I don't know their position. That's in the dark. But uh, Shem, in, in the long run, uh, didn't go too good. But, um, you know, he preached for 120 years faithfully, I believe, and had no converts. Um, you and I are called to be, you know, a steady, um, faithful preacher of the things of the Lord in our lives, uh, in our actions, and with our mouths where we can. And uh, we're not called to count numbers, but we are called to be faithful, faithful preachers of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes we can become discouraged when people don't seem to flock to um, hear the word or to believe. Don't be discouraged, but be faithful just like Noah. Continue to uh, claim the truths of the gospel. You know that we've got the sure word of God that we can stand upon and trust and uh, we can faithfully preach from that. Um, you might say, well, it sort of sounds foolish in this day and age. You start talking about heaven and hell and people say, oh, forget about that. But, you know, think of poor old Noah preaching... Uh, that there's judgment to come and they possibly didn't even know what rain was. I don't know in that day. Didn't even know uh, any of those things. How foolish that must have sounded. Well, what we have to say may sound foolish at times, but in the long run, we need to stand on what we know is truth and uh, that's what counts, the word of God. It says that in the long run, it will be God that adds to the church. Remember somewhere there in Acts fairly early, and God um, and the Lord added to the church daily those that were saved. It's God's work. We're involved in it. We need to be faithful. But uh, don't become discouraged. Now, going on in Noah's life, the first thing... Um, Perhaps we should just, uh, yeah, the first thing that took place after, that is recorded after Noah had been through this great event was the fact that Noah built an altar. That was the first thing he did. And I think God, uh, Noah was used to worshipping God, uh, as we had said. He, he walked with God. Now, I think that building an altar stood for a couple of things uh, to, to Noah. It spoke of worshipping God, of course, somewhere a place to worship. That was the first thing. Thank you, God, that you've saved me through this traumatic event, me and my family. Uh, and then perhaps most of all, the altar was also a place to sacrifice to God for the sins um, that he had committed and his family. And there was on board the ark extra animals and birds, just for that purpose. And God had told him to take them with him. For old Noah had fed these birds and animals all that time um, and then he goes and kills them. What a sacrifice. He'd probably become quite familiar with, the, with those animals and birds. 
but he was still willing to, uh, to say to God, Lord, um, my sin is horrific in your sight. Forgive me, accept the blood that I'm offering. And uh, of course, you and I have a different sacrifice, a complete and a perfect sacrifice in the Lord Jesus Christ today. Yes, I believe that uh, these actions were a part of Noah's work. He was used to um, a sacrifice and worship in his life, day by day. The Bible says in Romans 12, a very familiar thing to us, that we are to present our bodies, a living sacrifice, um, a sweet-smelling savour. The sacrifice that we can offer is uh, typically mentioned in the fruits of the Spirit, in love and joy. Joy before God, peace before him, patience, goodness, faithfulness, etc. That's in Galatians 5. If we, uh, we are to present our bodies as living sacrifices to the one who has loved us, who has brought us with his own blood. Going back just a little bit, there was one important event that took place, I think that we should note, when all those... Creatures and Noah and his family went inside the ark. Noah closed the door on it. No, it wasn't like that at all. God, it says, closed the door. Um, and I think it's just a, a quite an important little aspect that God closed the door. You can imagine Noah's um, position. They go inside and they know that there's torrents of rain. They know that the boat is starting to, to lift. It's rocking. And what about all those people? There might have been even some people that helped him, you know. I imagine there was when he was building the ark. I don't know. Imagine all the creatures even that weren't of the two, you know, that he probably used oxen or horses or something else and he knew, OK, the flood's coming. I reckon Noah would have opened the door again, don't you? But that wasn't to be. God closed the door. When judgment, the judgment of God comes, when the hand of God comes, when our life is complete, the door is closed by God. And you and I need to be ready. There's no use thinking that, okay, someone can open the door. You and I have got a, a wonderful opportunity in this land, in this place, to hear the gospel, to live a life for the Lord, and uh, we must take that opportunity to live for him now, to accept his salvation now. So the Lord closed the door. It wasn't Noah's responsibility, fortunately, or, or else I don't know whether Noah could have lived with himself. <clears throat> um, so these are the things that took place in Noah's life. Um, we are commended to... To live a life of vigilance, to be on our toes. Um, there's no time for retirement as Christians, is there? We might be physically there's time for retirement, but as Christians, life goes on and we don't slow up as far as our life is concerned for the Lord. We are to walk carefully before him. With a life of self-control and a life that we do as we choose to do, not to be led by the world. 
Yeah, in this day and age, I think that we can easily end up um, walking and living just as the world does because we have the media right in our homes and uh, we can be controlled by others and not be controlled by that which we should be controlled by, by the Lord's Spirit, by his word and with self-control. Now, the last thing I want to talk about really is Noah. He's been such a tremendous man in his day. Um, the only one saved, him and his three boys and their wives. And yet I'm disappointed, in a, in a sense, when I read of what took place in the latter years of Noah. Um, after 120 years of carpentry, it says in uh, Genesis there that Noah returned to farming and he was farming um, a vineyard. Uh, verse 20 of chapter 9, And Noah began to be a farmer and he planted a vineyard and he drank of the wine and was drunk and became uncovered in his tent. Rather a, a sad sort of a, uh, a few verses here. And uh, I suppose... When you think of it, anyone that returns to farming, it's enough to drive anyone to drink, isn't it? I think we could all agree with that. But um, it's a saying, isn't it? But we find a weak spot in Noah's armour in, in this event. And Noah gets drunk, and exactly what the sins that are committed, I'm not real sure. Um, but I know that being drunk was wrong. And nudity was wrong also. And the result is a curse on Noah's uh, one son, Shem, um, who was involved in that sin. And that's such a shame. It's, it's the first sin that's sort of basically recorded there after the flood. And uh, it seems to me to be such a shame. Um, do you know that the same sort of thing happened with Lot? Just not, well, it would be some years after, but not many events later in the, in the uh, Old Testament, we find that Lot, God having saved him from Sodom and Gomorrah, he lost his wife, he went out, they had to get right away from Sodom and Gomorrah, he was saved in a miraculous way, God dealt with him personally, he got out to Zor, and only had his two daughters with him, and they decided to get him drunk, and he sinned with them, and they both had children to him, their father. And we find that the, the, the names of the two boys were Amon and Moab. Amon and Moab. They become tribes and they were a thorn in the flesh of the Israelites for many, many years to come. Same sort of thing. They got involved in drink and it did them great harm. Now, I think that it's probably worthwhile a little warning today, I think, as far as the Christian church is concerned. I think that we need to just be careful because I see many of our people um, within our churches becoming more and 